This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Oh, here you go. Some uh, you got a furry Hitler. <laughs> well, 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 that just says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, Steam has no quality control anymore. Hasn't had any quality control in a while, but you know, furry Hitler. I've seen worse. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you got. Looks like we are alive. I mean, I mean, if you want to show the world that Hitler's has uh, no real legacy, then making a game about furry Hitler might be a way to do it. Yep. Uh, you got fur- So your upcoming games you can review are Furry Hitler. Uh, you got Cannibal Crossing. And a Cat's Kiss. Those are the, the game. Those are three of the games in the popular section right now on Steam. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's time to think of the next uh, history of gaming moments video. Yeah. Hey, I think we're live and people are acknowledging that that fact we that we are. brought up Furry Hitler. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slightly Something Else. I'm Yahtzee Crucial. I'm joined by Nick Calandra, although I've just noticed it says with Marty Slaver on the image in the middle. Who has sent you the updated image? Yeah, I know. I assumed it was the same image, but I guess I was wrong. Honey, when I sing a much louder than you, so I will handle that on my end hang on watch this i'm going to miraculously change it before our very eyes almost like magic okay uh that could have gone better great the hell it's close (laughs) this this is being weird on me it's like you cut off half of it we'll just remove that and we'll uh add it properly is my oh, audio even lower chat while he's fixing that i can fix my audio the joys of recording live oh, i have to crop it <laughs> yeah it's getting a real uh glimpse behind the curtain here aren't you everyone Uh, yes, people were asking about Furry Hitler. Yes, there is a game on Steam that's in the popular section called Furry Hitler. Yeah, the popular section is always full of porn because it's all like algorithm based, isn't it? And people like their porn. What can you I say? Hope not, because I don't, I don't look at that stuff on Steam, so somebody's using the account for it. Everyone looks at porn. <laughs> I mean, they're like the standard Steam popular page that everyone sees if it's got no yeah. other information. Brings the okay, porn up. Wrap up. I did. I did play Doki Doki Literature Club a while back. Maybe that's it. Ah, uh, you played that on our on the on the shared account. Oh, actually, no, I didn't. Well, someone must no. have. Ah, maybe it was Jay. I'm just blaming on Jay. I like blaming everything on Jay. Anyway, we did have a topic. Besides, mm-hmm. absolutely bugger all coming out. We we are going to talk about quippy comedy and why we hate it, aren't we? 
I am starting to get annoyed with it, yes. Well, welcome to my world. Yep, I've been, I know it. I've been talking shit about Joss Whedon since Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and nobody listened. Nobody listened to me. And now here we are. I hope you're all happy. But what do we mean when we say quippy comedy? What's your interpretation of that, Nick? Uh, recently, my interpretation of that has been games that just don't know what tone they want to take. Um, I was thinking about this today and thinking back to your review on The Last of Us Part Two, where you just felt very depressed and, and sad playing that game and hated it and everything. But at least The Last of Us knows its tone. Yeah, at least it wasn't quippy. Yes. Um, but then I was just playing, like, the replaying the Gears of War series with Amy. And pretty much after every, aside from like a few moments like Dom's death or things that happened in Gears 5, I don't know how many people have played it, so I won't spoil stuff, but a lot of times there's a lot of quippy dialogue in there to break up like the dark tension. And while it's fun for a while, like in 5, it really just doesn't fit the tone because it's a very serious thing that they're doing throughout the entire game. And then like uh, Del you know, the, your your uh, companion character for the whole game. Like, every line of dialogue he's got is some quip. This does seem to be a go-to place for a lot of the AAA media in movies as well. People will say this is a Marvel Cinematic Universe problem. Because, of course, Joss Whedon was involved in that way back. He was like the... I mean, it's probably a bit hard to, like, put all of this on his doorstep. But I, I would say his particular dialogue style that he first brought across in Buffy the Vampire Slayer was sort of the origin for all this. And and, it's, and it always annoyed me, because I always felt in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and other Joss Whedon works, there was a very poor sense of character voice. It felt like every character had the same voice. Yep. And in my book, good character writing is where you can take, like, the character's dialogue and just read the plain text with no other context and instantly know which character is talking. You know what uh, movie I think of that did that really well is like the Lord of the Rings series. Hmm. There's not a ton of comedy in those, but there's very like specific moments where it just works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Specifically like where they're throwing Gimli across the bridge, basically, you know, and this is like, you know, that that's a funny moment that felt earned. And then like all the Marvel movies, like recently, it's just, there's supposed to be like stark, serious stuff going on. And then out of nowhere, it's just like, oh, here's a joke to go along with it. And I know you've talked about that before and how it just takes you out of the moment. The moment, because like I want to feel the emotion that I'm supposed to be feeling when I'm looking at these scenes. And then when you immediately go from like, oh man, this is sad to, ha, ah, funny. It's like, I don't, it just, it feels off. Well, they don't want days. things to be too serious, do they? <laughs> they might alienate the kids. Yeah. They might well, not have. Uh, Sorry, it's ahead. funny because well i was gonna say it's funny because like endgame has its quippy moments but also it's a much darker and serious marvel movie and it worked and that's why it's like one of my favorite movies in the franchise well i haven't seen very many marvel movies not a movie yeah. person as you know for me um the definition of quippy humor is mm -hmm. where the game would cease to be comedy if you muted all the dialogue yes I mean, I always bring up this example when we talk about humor in games because it's such a good example of this, but uh, there's a game called Sacred 3 that I reviewed many, many years ago, which was the classic example of where it feels like um, someone just came in, like someone uh, in management came in and said, this needs to be funny, and just said mm -hmm. to someone, punch up every single line of dialogue so it's got a joke. <laughs> every single one, just pump it in there. 
Uh, and I think this is a big problem that the Borderlands games display as well. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't... It's like they've got, like, templates. It's like they make the games through templates. And this, and, like, the template for each mission is uh, introductory dialogue, actual uh, dialogue during mission, complete mission, closing bit of dialogue. And there's a little post-it note on the writer's monitor saying, put joke here, 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 and here. Would you... How do you feel about the Uncharted series for that? Because like the Uncharted series does a lot of the, the the quippy dialogue too, but I feel like I feel like it almost fits. I think, and except maybe in Uncharted Four. I think with Uncharted, I mean, I complained about those games at the time, but in retrospect, I like that approach better to the Gears of War, the Borderlands, the um, Guardians of the Galaxy style, which does feel like uh, someone plugging in holes in a script. Yeah. And Uncharted feels like the humor sort of runs through the character, runs through the experience. There's a lot of that's, that's, um, what you could arguably call slapstick in Uncharted. Nathan Drake thinking. takes a biff to the mush very, very frequently. Yeah. I, I feel like it works for Guardian of the Galaxy too. Like, I don't mind games that have the quippy dialogue, like when you're with a group of friends kind of thing. And I feel like Uncharted's got that, that, like, that feel to it where you're adventuring with Sully and he's your buddy and and all that, and you're giving each other shit a lot. Um, yeah. And Guardians of the Galaxy kind of feels the same way with, I always forget the raccoon's character or whatever. Um, well, it feels less... Well, Rocket Raccoon. Rocket, yep. Less than Uncharted, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy really feels like there's just a constant running commentary over everything. Yes, I, and that gets annoying too. And, and more and more games seem to be doing that, where it's just everything you do is talked over. And it's like, I can't... Sometimes I just want to be in the world and not hear somebody commenting on every single thing. Like, Horizon does that really bad, where she's commenting on everything she does. I think that comes from a sort of copy-paste approach to game design. Like, yeah. As compared to the Uncharted thing, Uncharted is like a scripted sequence, like a movie. But mm -hmm. a lot of modern games just, like, create templates and then hack out, like, 500, like, encounters from them. And so a lot of the dialogue comes across as sort of templated in as well. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. But it's kind of funny because, like, you think about Death Stranding and how quiet that game is, and like, yeah. I feel like I feel like I get so even though I really don't like the gameplay loop of that game, I still every time I try to play it, I do get like really immersed in the moment in the world of that mm. when there's not a radio or something like that talking to me every five seconds. I would I would appreciate the, like a, a bit of like levity in Death Stranding. Yeah, it's it's kind of off-puttingly po-faced that game. Yeah, it's all the entire game's about isolation, though. <laughs> kind of. That's yeah. Well, that's classic Kojima, isn't it? Right. I mean, everything's like a lot of really stupid things happen, but it just goes completely uncommented on, and everyone's really serious and miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. Are there any aside from? So surprisingly, you, you do think Uncharted handled it pretty well. Are there other games that you think do the quippy dialogue well and are actually funny? Because I think. A big part of it comes down to is just if it's written well, it's, it it can work. But I think yeah, a lot of times, yeah. throw, it, well, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Well, Portal and Portal Two are funny games. Again, that's like a very scripted set piece to set piece experience rather than templated out stuff. Mm -hmm. um, well, when I think of comedy in games, I think comedy works better in like the physical in games. I, you think of comedy games, I think of stuff like Team Fortress 2, where everything's a comedy character, body parts fly everywhere, uh, lots of exaggerated physics, cartoony looks. Mm -hmm. As I say, there's a lot of games that 
try to be funny, but if you just muted the dialogue, there'd be no humor in it at all. Yeah. I wonder, uh, people, I wonder people how they... Psychonauts, that's another good one. Uh, old Avenger games always used to be good at uh, humor. The old LucasArts stable, the uh, Monkey Island. Yeah, I feel like that... The... When we were replaying Gears of War, like I was, I was really focusing on it because I figured, I figured like we would talk about this topic if it if it got brought up, and it's just like a, the original three, like there is quite a bit of quippy dialogue in those games, but like it's at moments where it just feels right to be there, and like yeah. you bring up Borderlands where it's thrown at every single spot where there's silence, it's like oh let's start throwing a joke. Um, it just. Yeah, like I, I feel like games just don't understand, and I think you talked about it with Marty when you guys did the how not to do comedy in games. It's like games just don't mm. understand time, comedic timing. Yeah, that's something I and they just try to force it every time. Something I mentioned in reference to uh, Portal as well, because uh, mm -hmm. the the writers of that game were trained a bit in sound design and sound engineering, so they could place the the uh, dialogue themselves. Because mm. of course, the writers uh, understood comic timing in ways that the engineers didn't. People are also mentioning uh, Yakuza, which I just finished like a dragon. I think Yakuza does this very well. Where there's... It, yeah, that the Yakuza games are the master of deadpan. Yeah, I think I would, I would definitely agree with that. Some of it might be because it's Japanese as well. Because sometimes uh, I think just both like comedy and one of the many things that connect comedy and horror is that it can be enhanced more if it's coming from a foreign culture. Because the sense of otherness sort of adds to it. Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like Japanese comedy stuff that I think is a lot funnier by virtue of just being delivered in Japanese and because they've got mm -hmm. a weirder sense of humour there's a lot of stuff that feels a lot more surreal to uh, people outside the country because uh, we don't have the same cultural backing and of course surreality in something like Silent Hill can uh, enhance the horror quite a bit alright yeah, uh, having just finished Like a Dragon, there's like so many like Japanese cultural reference in there that are just, it, yeah. you know, it seems wacky and weird to you, so it's funny. And then, you know, people that live there, I'm sure, like, oh, this is just a normal thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. Although like, every game set in contemporary Japan is just full of Japanese culture references. I've, yeah. po I've often pointed that out. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, It Takes Two? Because we played that last year, and I think you were getting graded by the dialogue yeah. up until like the elephant scene. <laughs> yeah, that that was weird. I don't know how intentionally funny that was, though. <laughs> I think part of the humor was in delivery. Yes. I don't know. I can't imagine recording that scene and not just dying laughing the entire time with the, <laughs> the cutie, the elephant voice. I don't know. I think there are a lot of things coming together to make that work. Like the fact yeah. that it was a really cute elephant and the fact they just, it kept trying to get away and we kept accidentally <laughs> subjecting <laughs> it to hideous injuries. <laughs> and the, yeah, that was funny. The rest of the dialogue I could take or leave because, again, I think it had the excessive dialogue problem. Mm -hmm. I I would disagree a little bit with that just because like it kept building up the characters for me, like their their relationship. And I felt like it worked in that game just them bickering back and forth just felt, I don't know, a bit more natural considering they were, uh, you know, a husband and wife looking to divorce. And I get it, but the game dragged on so much they'd make yeah, a point yeah, yeah. and then they'd remake the point over and over and over again. Right. Although there was a lot of humor in the visuals and I think uh, something I've brought up as an alternative to quipping is always going to be like visual comedy and have the comedy infuse the way things look and the way things move. 
And there's a lot of moments that it takes too, like suddenly we're playing a one-on-one fighting game against a squirrel on an aeroplane. That was that was just funny to look at. And I've mentioned in my review of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands that the one bit that I actually laughed at was the bit towards the end of the second act where you're supposed to be getting on a boat to go across the ocean to confront the evil one. And uh, you find some wizard guy who's going to like bless the boat or something, but instead of blessing the boat, he just blows up the entire ocean. And that made me laugh because it was funny. It was visually funny when he blew up the ocean and all these mis- missiles came out of the ground that were actual nuclear missiles, but with magic missile written down the side. That made me laugh. And that made me laugh in contrast to all the constant bloody dialogue. Mm. It's gonna be I wonder it's gonna be annoying just to have to write all that stuff. Well, yeah, I assume, as I say, it's probably just like some doctrine from on high saying, Hey, punch up this work to put a joke in it and actually i've done that uh, that was my gig on watchdogs legion they just gave me a bunch of lines and said hey just put some jokes in here so when, and it when was you hard. did the when you did the last episode on on comedy people were pointing out zero punctuation what's your take on that uh i think zero punctuation is very funny what's your point <laughs> just that people you know i i think they don't understand that you know you when you're writing your witty dialogue it's not quips like there's a difference between a quip and actually writing something that's witty and funny there's a like well a there is a there is a flow to how i write zero punctuation right. i try to go from point to point to point yeah like quip uh, me just humor, breaks the flow of what they're doing well quip for me is humor outside context it's it's where they yeah. just try to make a line by itself funny something they could mm-hmm. cut out and put in a trailer like at the end of a marvel movie trailer or indeed any movie trailer, because they've all got exactly the same format now. The world is changing. Let's track across a desk that has implements related to the main character on it. We're running out of time. Action scene, action scene, action scene. Escalate, escalate, logo, logo. Quip at the end. So so bass and quips go together. Yeah. So (laughs) what you're talking about is like... Is like humor where you can't just take one line of dialogue out and it works. Where the whole the humor runs through the whole scene, the whole dialogue. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder if like we're gonna swing the pendulum back on that, where like developers start figuring out like, hey, we don't need dialogue in every single quiet moment of our games, <laughs> or like let us have our emotional, you know, our, our dark and emotional moments in games and not have a punchline at the end of it. That that's, that just that drives me nuts these days because I feel like so many games do that and like it was funny when we were streaming Gears Five and like chat, I think chats were like really noticed the quippy dialogue and a lot of things and like mm. you know a sad scene happened at the end of Gears Four for example and we were all just waiting for the punchline at the end of it and I'm like ah that 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 sucks I don't like feeling like that. <laughs> um, well. Because it's either it's either that or like indie game indie games go the fully fully over emotional route and then that doesn't work either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when you say are games going to learn their lesson and stop overdoing the dialogue, are games going to learn their lesson and stop overdoing everything? Because that's the nature of big money development, isn't it? All the money's got to be on screen, all the big explosions, all the big uh, fancy tech, and uh, just got to squeeze as much writing into it as possible because. Uh, they threw the money at us and they wanted their money's worth so we just put in as much as we could 
Well, that's that's why I liked it takes two because it just had it had like really I thought well done scripted comedy moments in between all that. Well, all that that's subjective, between. isn't it? Yes, but I don't know. You were you were laughing pretty hard at that elephant scene. Okay, you, you said it was my fault that I made you laugh, but I think you enjoyed it. <laughs> all right, fine. Well, all of that comes from having a strong direction, of course. Right from like a you know a direct a hands-on director who knows as we say like the like the uh, audio engineers in valve who actually understand comic timing and know what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. so it's not just a committee design kitchen sink approach yeah well and just and say what you will about naughty dog i think they get that very well in all their games okay <laughs> yes <I'm> i mean <laughs> i just kind of hate nathan drake as a person yeah, well, he does murder a lot of people. Yeah, but thinking about it, that's probably something you're just supposed to... The part of the suspension of disbelief is that you're just supposed to overlook that, I guess. Yeah. It's like, that's just, you know, the standard furniture of video game design. You're going to have to beat up a lot of people. Well, and that's what I like about the Tomb Raider reboot, is she's, like, shocked and appalled at the first person she kills, and then she kills, like, 20 more immediately, like, 10 seconds after. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't really do this in like an Indiana Jones film without <laughs> yeah. losing sympathy. But in, what Indiana Jones films do is they have like action scenes where he almost gets killed and then doesn't and then uh, yeah. beats up bad guys and gets away. And the only real way you can do that from a gameplay perspective is with combat and combat is going to end with us killing a bunch of dudes. Mm -hmm. I wonder, are there any like non... What would you what would you say are games like that aren't combat focused that have good quippy dialogue besides from Portal? Well, like I say, adventure games. Back in the day, Monkey Island was a very comedic game, and a lot of it was a lot of the humor in that came from like exploration. Like you wouldn't find the funny lines unless you uh, clicked examine on everything in the room, or if you like played the game multiple times so you could try all the different dialogue options. Yeah, well, I think a lot of open world games are doing that now too, where like you have to go off the beaten path to find that wacky side quest or character. Well, I said on extra punctuation once, the problem with a lot of open world games is when they don't let you just find things by yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'd believe that when I see it. Yeah, Assassin's Creed Valhalla did it okay. Like there, there was one, like. Uh... You can stumble upon a random house in Valhalla, I think, and there's and uh, the wife is throwing out the husband for having cheated on her, and she's like throwing a shit out the window at him and everything. And it's just, you know, that was that was pretty funny, just kind of stumbling on that, and then you get into like a little side quest just from finding that in the world. I don't really don't remember much about. I really don't remember much about the story of Valhalla. Ask me I what, the, what the main character's personality was. I don't know. I can't answer that. <laughs> Very stoic, angry. Uh, I seem to remember them having, you know, a certain sense of humor. I guess they the were just a sort of flat line across the board. With the Assassin's Creed games? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ezio had a lot of good humor, I think. I guess. Every character after that was just protagonist person. I think yeah. maybe like you, a protagonist of Black Flag had a sort of uh, more of a character arc where he, mm -hmm. you know, hit rock bottom and had to rise back up to the occasion. But a lot of the protagonists, especially in the more recent ones where they've tended more towards the action RPG side of things, they've just been protagonist person. Yeah, they, they don't can, really 
They can do funny bits if the scene calls for it. They can do serious bits if the scene calls for it because their personalities are flatlines. Yeah, I don't remember really any funny bits in Origins or, or Odyssey. I mean, the the uh, Socrates quests in Odyssey were pretty... I thought they were kind of funny. Uh, if he did if he did any of the like the philosopher side quests those were those were pretty funny if you check those out uh i'm thinking about funny dialogue in assassin's creed games and what leaps to mind is that conversation with the character's mum in assassin's creed 2 mm -hmm. uh, which is a line that uh, which is a line that you just go because <laughs> you don't see it coming mm -hmm. uh, i think it was like the main character's mum says you need to find more outlets Ezio. i have outlets i meant besides vaginas yeah that was uh i guess this was, it felt, actually had good writing it just felt weird for that line to come out of nowhere mm -hmm. i mean partly because it was you know a serious triple a game the serious historical game that and uh it was also that it was coming from the main character's mum so you were doubly not expecting a line like that yep and it doesn't happen every five minutes People bringing up It's a Me Mario as well. Do you remember that? Mm -mm. In Assassin's Creed 2, when you run into your uncle Mario and he introduces himself uh -oh. by saying, It's a Me Mario. Yep, I do remember that now. Man, that's been so long since I played that game. You know, there's a lot of people who just didn't pick up on that. I brought that up a few times in conversations. People going, Oh, yeah, I guess that probably was a Nintendo reference. And I like, I thought it was so obvious the instant I saw it. I was, when, I, when it first happened, I just sort of rolled my eyes. Mm -hmm. I was like, this this is a bit much, Ubisoft. <laughs> I mean, know, it's you're funny. for the days where it was only that every once in a while. <laughs> I guess. Because uh, to, yeah. to me, like the two main things that are so overused now are like everybody ha is sarcastic and then there's everything is referenced. Well, that's just bad humor, isn't it? Yeah. But that's, it, that's, that's, like a, the, that's a scary movie. Yeah. But that's like the in humor now. It's not like the old you know the the uh parody movies like that they did for you know like meet the spartans and stuff like that yeah those those are awful yeah but that but that was like its own thing for a while and now it's like in all of media where it's like you could have like that meet the spartans and literally be it'd be normal in a marvel movie at this point well it was a little bit uh more overt in meet the spartans and that sort of thing well, of course right I want to know what the hell happened to good, to really good spoof movies like uh, the Zucker Abrahams and Zucker tradition in films like The Naked Gun and Hot Shots. I remember loving those films when I was a kid. You could, you'd watch every moment of that film looking for the hidden jokes in the background and stuff. And every time something happened, you would like, be turning to your brother on the couch and asking, was that a joke? I don't know. Could have been. Like you're looking through that, you're looking through all the credits at the end looking for the funny bits and then you're going that that person's credited as best boy is that a joke i don't know it sounds like one because we were kids yeah so those movies are only fun if you were a kid yeah <laughs> once once you rewatch hey. them as an adult you're like this is awful fuck you man the naked gun is a comedy classic i don't think i've seen that one well watch it it's we were I'm talking about deadpan earlier like uh, yeah. yeah the a games being the master of deadpan like leslie nielsen invented deadpan comedy basically i do i do he like used to be a serious comedy. actor he was a serious actor right up until the first airplane movie when he was cast in that film and everyone realized holy shit he's a fucking natural hmm. yeah also oj simpson is in the naked gun film so that's a 
You can Jeez. see what he was like before the whole murder thing. <laughs> People telling me I'm, I'm uncultured. Look, I didn't start watching TV and movies until way too late. <laughs> I missed a lot of the classic really, stuff. But I really miss, uh, like, just flat-out comedy movies that were just that kind of just funny gags from mom from beginning to end, but it was also its own story and all the humor was interwoven with the story. It wasn't just references. It, yeah. and it wasn't just quips. Well, uh, it was kind of funny. Like, I think a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the actors of, like, Superbad was saying they'd like to do a sequel and all the replies were under, like, no, that, move that wouldn't fly today. That wouldn't be okay today. It's like, I mean, we're so, like... I don't know. Com comedy is like so filtered now that you can't have. I don't think you can have those movies anymore. They're probably right, where it's not going to be some stupid thing on social media. Like, and I think that's where like some of the dialogue and in games and all that just resort to quips because like it's like you don't know what's what's accepted or not. I mean, aside from oh. you know obviously having racist comedy and all that kind of stuff. But oh, I'd be very hesitant about hiding behind the oh political correctness means you can't get away with anything these days. Excuse. I think no, I don't think I don't think that. I think it's the writers that are like, how do we not create a controversy for our company? Basically, I think as long as you're just funny, mm -hmm. a lot of like a lot of that will be forgiven. Like South Park got away with it for a very long time because mm -hmm. you know it was just funny, and uh, you know everyone has a laugh, and it's hard to be have a like a bad feeling towards it. Right. There's a lot of humor that's like rooted in "ooh, I'm going against political correctness." That's really just mean spirited, right? Yeah, and it's not funny. It's just that that's just cringy. But it's like, I, yeah, it really, I think it just comes down to like writing not being as good as it used to be in a lot of ways. I mean, I would I happily make jokes in serious punctuation all the time, where I just take the piss out of you know menstruation and um, aborted fetuses being launched from vaginas at ballistic velocity, and you know. You can get away with a lot these a lot more than people think. And somebody just pointed out in chat, like always it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like, yeah, I think it's always sunny in Philadelphia does a fantastic job of like straddling that line and, and commenting on those things while also being funny. But I'm sure you've never watched that. I started watching it because people keep talking about it. I watched the first episode and I was like, I'm not laughing, so I turned it off. <laughs> I assume it's one of those gets better later situations. Yes. Most shows like that are. I, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Is that... Yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like games. My, my wife started watching Futurama like a while back for the first time because her oh, brother yeah. recommended it or something. Mm. So she started from the beginning and I watched a few episodes with her and I was like, yeah, I seem to remember Futurama being really bad when it started and it kind of still is. I didn't Although the really the big head trip for me was realizing that Futurama is like twenty five years old now, like that yeah. still feels like a new thing to me. Well, I, how old do you feel when you know they're still releasing Simpsons episodes? <sighs> well, that, everyone knows that's just a death march at this point. I've watched some of their recent stuff because sometimes it's funny. You know, I keep hearing that the the recent stuff has sort of been on an upturn, but I'm still not going to watch it. Yep, you don't have time to. <laughs> you well, gotta uh, play some furry Hitler. Yeah, gotta gotta get me some of that furry Hitler. God, yeah, please. Somebody took the time to make that. Well, I've talked about an idea for a joke game I'd make about you know 
being the yeah, prison warden at Spandau Prison and deciding which of the former Nazi war criminals to date. Fury Hitler's basically the same, like the same sort of root of comedy, just like a million times less subtle. I guess the the the, the tags for it. This is some interesting tags: nudity, sexual content, hentai, and World War Two. So there That's is the... genuine porn in this. I'm not going to watch the trailer to find out. <sighs> I doubt they put it in the trailer <laughs> if there was, but uh, if, if that is just like a porn game people need to get off to, it becomes a hell of a lot more suspect if it's about Hitler, I suppose. I mean, I wasn't going to make, I wasn't going to put actual porn in my Spandau prison <laughs> game. The first screenshot on, nope. I, need a, I absolutely need a shot of alcohol after that. <sighs> Don't do it. Don't yeah, look I wanted, at I wanted to make. I wanted to make that as a joke. Because, you know, <laughs> It's inherently funny, I'd say. Yes. I think it would. I think eventually we'll have as an adventurous night dating game, which will also be funny. Hell, I could write that if you want. Do it. All the Jeremy's. <laughs> yeah. We could do like we could make like an adventurous night fighting game. It's like Mortbirds, Abarella, Sigma, Grindabin, and then like fifty Jeremy's. Or all the Jeremy's are one character. And you swap out the specific Jeremy with like special button combinations. I can already picture it now as a JRPG and it's just Jeremy 1, 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> that, that also could work. Be, we've also, we've already got the pixel artist. We do. Oh, that takes, that I, takes, a, takes a lot of work, I, though. I think we could absolutely make a Kickstarter campaign for Adventures Night Game and get fun. Well, who'd be the one developing it? Because it wouldn't be me. <laughs> After you finish uh, Star Stuck Regobot, it will be. Yeah, in about 12 years when that's finished. Mm. Still working on it. You got uh, 12 years to add in all the quip dialogue, right? I'm making it as my hobby. What do you want? I get like half an hour a day to work on it. Okay. Shall we go to Super Chats? I think we can. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Rain Cryer Photography member. Welcome to Early Access. Thanks for your support. James Tarn, member for two months, says hello, Yahtzee and Toffee. And Nick, too, I guess. How nice of you. Toffee doesn't feel like sitting with me today. He's gone over there. Toffee was crawling around the back of your head a little bit ago. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> Keep forgetting think, he's not a cat. I think he wants something to snuggle under, and I'm not wearing my jacket anymore. No. Oh. Uh, Matt donated $10 says just, just found out my wife is pregnant with our first child. I'm excited, but also insanely nervous. That's normal, right? Cheers guys. Keep up the great work. Well, congratulations. Your life's going to get much more stressful and never go back down. <laughs> but you know, what helped me was just to say to myself in the newborn phase, every day we get through is one more day. We never have to do again. And, unless yeah, you yeah. get another kid, in which case you have to do at least one <laughs> more time. <laughs> So when's the third one coming? Never. No, no, no. <laughs> the sectum is all round. There you go. <laughs> snip, snap, snip, snap. 
Uh, James Machete, a member for 11 months from Chris, says, I've been going through the Hitman games recently, and I've been thoroughly, 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 I don't know if you meant to say that, enjoying a much quieter character who only talks when needed instead of quips that other games seem to add. Play the Thief games. The Thief the games are really one, good right? for that as well. Every now and again, Garrett just says an aside to himself in like his really sarcastic voice, and I love him all the more for each one. And he comes across like a complete dick sometimes, and I still like him. <laughs> like, there's a one level, I think it was in Thief 2, where he's like just sneaking across the rooftops, and he sees some burglars like failing to subtly get into another house. And he, he just says to himself, Well, well, housebreakers, how quaint. And that just made me laugh. Yeah, I do. I do like the quiet protagonists that only speak up when they have something like that to say. Sometimes, yeah, because you're not expecting it. Like that really not expected comedy when you're just listening for the quips over and over again, like in Borderlands, it just becomes like dead air at that point. That was the problem with uh, Dishonored Two. They brought Stephen Russell back, who was the voice of Garrett the Thief, but they had him talk too much. He was Pretty like, you know, a spice. A little spice to put on the atmosphere. When every Remind now and again something dumb would happen and he'd just have a little gravelly-voiced, sarcastic aside. Remind me, the first Dishonored did not have a voice protagonist at all. No. no, 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 no. And then no. the second one they did, and then they made him like more of a character. Yeah, and they brought in yeah, Stephen right. Russell, who was the uh, main character in Thief, and who was not in Thief 4, and everyone complained. And I assume that's why they brought him on for Dishonored 2, for the good ink. Uh, John Steele, on his $5, says, if any, if any who have right to judge Quip, it is the king of the deadpan Quip. How's it going, Mr. Crochet? Thank you. Uh, unless you're talking about Leslie Nielsen, in which case I agree, I guess. Approve a lol, member for 10 months, and early access analogy to Edgar Wright versus Seth Rogen movies. Um, what's Seth Rogen's most? What's the Seth Rogen done again? Uh, the latest movie that I can think of that he did was like Sausage Party, I think, or whatever, like that oh, comedy, yeah. the animated food movie. Uh, well, then, in that case, I'd say it's comparing the Stanley Parable to Sunset Overdrive. Oof. <laughs> yeah, Sausage Party. That's the movie. I still think it's funny he's working on The Boys for all those weird comedy movies he's done. Mm. Uh, King and Commoner donates $10, says, Did either of you have to suffer through the Deadpool game? It was hours of the same dozen jokes. I did a ZP review of the Deadpool game. People seem to be forgetting a lot of my ZP reviews. Someone on Twitter the other day said, Hey, do you ever play Zack and Wiki? And I was like, yeah, ZP reviewed it way back in the day. But uh, yeah, I did review the Deadpool game. And I made the point that it has the Spider-Man game problem where they just have a, like, a pool of quips to pick from during combat. And then just randomly roll them every now and again. And they cease to be funny after the first two or three goes. I think there were some genuinely funny moments in the Deadpool game, but they were mostly like the scripted bits and not the organic gameplay bits. I tried that game. I don't remember. I don't remember ever finishing it though. You fight Mister Sinister at the end. Mm, nope, I don't remember it. I okay. remember the Wolverine game. 
Uh, yeah, with the like the regenerating body. Yes. I remember that. The God of War ripoff. Yes. Uh, Kelly Engineering donates $50. Ooh, so that's a big one. It'll probably get mentioned, but the Outer Worlds dialogue could be accused of being quippy, but it really helps sell the crapasherine world. Crapsacharin world. It's Saccharin a compound world. word of crap, meaning crap, and saccharin, meaning overly sweet. I like my version of the word better. Crapsacharin. No way. Uh, NPCs are quippy as a coping mechanism. Love all your work. Keep it up. I don't know. I think the Outer Worlds had the same problem with a lot of like Bethesda-style RPGs where the characters just feel kind of dead behind the eyes. Yeah, they're, I, was, I was just thinking about that today, um, thinking about playing uh, Horizon Forbidden West, where even though like they added motion capture to a lot of people and everything, like just the... Uh, I think I'm kind of like just tired of like the RPG standard of they stand there and talk to you scenes. Yeah, just... and it seems wasteful to use motion capture for that. Yeah. So then you just motion capture people sort of dawdling around and fidgeting for 20, 20 hours. Moving their arms a little bit or moving their eyes and their faces. Yeah, I yeah. feel like if you're going to do that, you should like, especially in a game like that, they should have bombastic movements. Ho! Errol Flynn leaping off just ropes and shit. Have them in different settings, like sitting, you know, on a on a on a, a, a stump or something like just make it make the scene at least interesting to look at yeah not just shot the witcher shot. the witcher 3 did that pretty well i think yeah there's there was a improv comedy show in the uk called whose lines anyway oh there was a u.s version wasn't there and uh, they had a round in that called sit stand lie down where at all times one character had to be sitting one character had to be standing and one character had to be lying down so if one of them like so the one who was sitting stood one of the others had to like quickly change position they should do that in games. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Doron Grossman Naples donated $5, says, To prove Buffy could work without dialogue, Weedham made a silent episode and is considered one of the best. Quips are style, they just need substance. So Whedon demonstrated that his dialogue is shit. <laughs> yeah, that seems a little bit self-defeating on Whedon's part. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like my stuff is better if I don't put dialogue in it. Yeah, it's a shame I never do this, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Jackson Jewell donates five dollars. Says hello again, gentlemen. Happy Memorial Day! Oh shit! Too many it's games. Memorial Day. Am I supposed yep, to be having yep. a day off, Nick? Yeah, pretty much. You bastard! I'm supposed to be playing furry Hitler. <laughs> uh, too many games try to make everyone funny. Example: Borderlands two and three which makes it unfunny and annoying. Yes, as I said, that it, and that ends up in a situation where every character has the same voice, like in a Joss Whedon work. Mm -hmm. Now, traditionally, the comedic dialogue involves like the comedy dude and the straight guy. Right. And, and the straight guy is, like, while not quipping, is still essential because, you know, the humour is in their reactions and responses. Yeah, and I think that goes back to, like, why Uncharted works, too, is, like, Drake and Sully have two very different personalities, and so they have different comedic personalities too. Somewhat, to an extent. Yeah. But that works in, like, not comedy as well. Like, The Last of Us had the two very different characters, and mm -hmm. uh, their chemistry was part of the drama, and then in the next one they just had Ellie running around with other version of Ellie, and uh, didn't have quite the same impact. Mm -hmm. Uh, Robert Johnson donates 20 Canadian dollars. Says, hi, Yats. You're a wonderful writer. I've been loving this podcast lately as well. All of us old fart gamers need an echo chamber too, don't we? I wanted to ask, though, why aren't Mogworld and Jam available to purchase anymore? 
They are still available to purchase on ebook and print, I think, but the audiobook version got taken down because of some kerfuffle with the publishers. We're working on it. I think Audible like basically said they would like get us a publishing uh, contract for it, but they haven't gotten around to it yet. So mm. again, maybe complain to them rather than me. <laughs> Speaking of your books, you have an announcement, don't you? Do I? Yeah, your physical copy. Oh yes, the uh, physical, uh, the print version of Existentially Challenged is coming out soon. That got announced fairly recently. So um, look out for that one. Meister Kleister Heister donates five euros. Says I'm generally fine with quips in a two-hour movie, but constant quips in an eight to fifteen-hour game or quips that repeat during the first playthrough, please no. Well, that was what I found so exhausting about Guardians of the Galaxy. And someone else mentioned it in the chat, but they'd be like, they'd have these quippy conversations, but if you like entered the door to the next area too soon, the quippy conversation would just get cut off yep. and just made it all the more annoying. Yep. I'm like, shit, well, I wasn't engaged with the dialogue, but now I'll never know how it ends. All this, all this bitching about Guardians of the Galaxy is just making me appreciate Uncharted more for how, how well it handles a lot of that stuff. Okay, fine. Yes. Nathan Drake's still an ass hat. That's true. Uh, Skizaru donates $5. Says, just waiting on the inevitable messages from Scavenger and those from the other typical recurring people. Have we had a Scavenger yet? I don't think I don't we've think had so. a Scavenger yet. Where are you, Scavenger? Maybe they actually took their vacation today. Must have been nice. <laughs> Flip Party donates $5. Says, the medium has a ton of issues, but the main character being so snarky and not talking... Not taking anything seriously took all the horror out of that game. I don't remember the character being snarky at all. I barely remember anything about the main character at all. In the medium, I don't remember her being snarky either. I remember her yeah. just being scared all the time. I remember her, well, I guess she was another flat line of a character because it seems everyone's interpreted her differently. I just remember her being boring. That too. But that, that game didn't have a lot of unneeded dialogue, I don't think. Well, it had probably more dialogue than it needed. Yeah. I want to say. Well, it had lots of expo exposition dump scenes. Yeah, yeah. They're making the new Silent Hill. Mm. I guess there's an extra punctuation about that this week, too. Yes, which you'll have already seen, if you're a member. Uh, John Connor, welcome back from the future, donates five Canadian dollars, says, I feel Borderlands humor, humor could be improved by having a straight man comedic duo viewpoint to juxtapose all the trying too hard silliness. Well, you know what could work is just have the main character like a total straight man while all the comedy's going on around them. Mm -hmm. But just to bring up Portal again, I think someone like asked one of the developers on that why the main character was a silent protagonist. And uh, they said, well, wouldn't you respond to everything that goes on in that game with sort of contempt that was what they're trying to bring across the main character just just doesn't have time for any of the the uh conversation on glados's or wheatley's part because mm. they're just giving it the contempt it deserves uh meister kleister heister minus five years again says what games are the worst offenders of bad quippiness overuse i recall one zp about a, a spider-man game having only four to five constantly repeating lines well, this is why I call it the Spider-Man problem, because it always happens in Spider-Man games, because Spider-Man is characterized as a quippy character everywhere he goes. And that's that's always how they bring it across, by having him say the random lines during combat. 
kind of funny. The I'm just thinking back to the Rami films. He those were very serious for the most part. He has his quippy bits. I remember like them in particular because I didn't think Toby Maguire's delivery of the quips was very good. Yeah, that's probably why I don't remember them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't think he really had the energy. And if you compare it to like the voice acting in, say, uh, well, any of the Spider-Man games, really, or mm. the Spider-Man animated series, Toby Maguire seems a lot more subdued. He does more of his act. He does his acting with his face, Toby Maguire, I think. And obviously, you can't do that when you've got a Spider-Man mask on. Yeah. Well, his very best moment is in Spider-Man 3, where he turns into dancing emo boy. Well, yeah. And again, his face does a lot of the work for that. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> there's, a, there's a video on YouTube where they took they took his face from that and put it on something else. I mean, it was the funniest I'm sure there's like, thing. there's like a hundred different videos hundred of that. those. He's, well, it, that's it, what I'm telling you my break doing today. That's a whole meme, that is. <laughs> Toby uh, McGregor in Spider-Man 3. Bradle 23, member for eight months in early access. Escape this content good. I, think I agree. Uh, Cornish Cream Tea 07 donated five pounds but retracted their message. Okay. I don't know where it went. You coward. Cornish Cream Tea. Uh, Ryalan Quake donates three dollars. Says, How do you guys define quips and quippy dialogue? We said that earlier. We said quippy dialogue is dialogue where it feels like every line is designed to be a joke in itself and could be taken out in isolation uh, rather than, you know, part of a larger dialogue scene where humour is sort of built up and paid off. Uh, hot creamy fart donates $2. Which is your favourite Discworld book? Uh, interesting times. I'm going to be called Uncultured Swine and haven't read that yet either, so... Well, you got a lot of stuff to catch up on after this. The Naked Gun films, yes. uh, every Discworld book. I've only watched the first Indiana Jones film. I've got the rest on 4K. Really? I, uh, yep. Well, I, well, I've only, well, I've never seen The Temple of Doom. I watched Last Crusade tons of times. I had it on video growing up. Raiders of the Lost Ark a couple one. of times, but I've never watched The Temple of Doom all the way through. Yep. I don't know why I've never watched them because I love John Williams' music and I love Spielberg. So I don't know why I never got to them. Hmm. It's like me with Metal Gear Solid 3. I've yeah. liked all the other Metal Gear Solids and liked uh, most of them, but I just never got around to playing through 3. And everyone says it's the best it's, one. The more stuff that I have not seen, I'm just going to start blaming on my parents and say that they're uncultured, so I'm uncultured. Okay. Yeah. I love blaming stuff on my parents too. It's fun uh, to it's fun to disabuse ourselves of responsibility. Yes, I mean it's just the only fun fun way to do it. And Honey Money also points out I bought Moonfall in 4K. I haven't watched it yet, but yes, I did because the cover art looked cool. Fine. Saru Saro donates two hundred. I think that's Indian rupees. Yes. Uh, says, hey Yachts, I'm reviewing differently Morpheus for my college magazine review title. Sherlock Holmes meets Harry Potter in this contemporary murder mystery comedy. Can you suggest something better? Well, I always think of it more as the thick of it meets Harry Potter meets uh, Midsummer Murders. Uh, does that help? Yep, just change your, change your references. <laughs> yeah. 
Paul says, member for eight months or six months in early access is not sleeping for a year changes a person. New dads. Well, I'm sleeping because my wife and I figured one of us should have enough sleep to be able to take care of stuff. So I've been sleeping on the living room floor for the last uh, five months or so. Oof. On a mattress. It's not like fucking... Oh, they're uh, just sleeping on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> no very, no blankets, no nothing, just curled up in a ball and yes, hoping for I the have, best. I have a very gritty life. <laughs> just like at E3. Uh, uh, well, I, I got the bed at E3, remember? Because I was the talent. Yeah, you did. I got, my, I got the, the actual bedroom with an actual bed. This is true. Well, there were two bedrooms. It was me and Matt sleeping on the yeah, floor. Yeah, there was like six of us living in them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which reminds me, we may be going to Gamescom. Ooh. Uh, Cornish Cream Tea 07. You, th you threw that out of nowhere. It's the first I've heard. I did. Yep, because I just came up with it like yesterday. Okay. You're welcome. Uh, Cornish Cream Tea 07 donates five pounds. Says Puppeteer had a comedy style based on pantomime. Uh, and it gave the quips a corny charm to them that most games lack. Pantomime. It's Pantomime. Sort of, that's a very British tradition. Sort of a seasonal holiday play full of celebrities and very corny, predictable gags. Usually uh, adapting something like uh, Aladdin or Cinderella or some other fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Usually with someone, uh, so usually with a lady dressed up as a boy and a man dressed up as a lady. Huh. Hearing lots of weird things about British stuff lately, especially Jay's Badger story. Pantomime. Look, you don't get that. I don't really get NASCAR. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> I don't get NASCAR either. Well, whatever. <laughs> Uh, Robert Johnson donates 10 Canadian dollars as something else. Is there a reason most, if not all of your books include at least one muscle bound hunk? Just curious. Picturing why and his torso, like one big clenched fist. Thanks again. I don't, I don't know. I guess I think of such characters as useful, uh, you know, elements of, for, uh, action in a plot. I like to, I like to use characters as tools in the execution of the well-oiled machine of a plot and occasionally fall back on sort of stereotyping for that i freely admit so i often have a character who's like a big strong dude or a female character who's a no-nonsense business-like woman i think this next name i'm gonna say it the way it's written and just because it's gonna be funny tsunami doucher donates ten dollars do you think the early resident evil game quips are funny not just because of the times but also because the Japanese delivery to English creates awkward spacing to add to the moment. I'd call that unintentionally funny, the Resident Evil English dub, because it was so horribly bad. I wouldn't call that quippy. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so bad it's good comedy. Yeah, yeah. With, but that's not really intended comedy at all, right. is it? No. What other what other games would be like that, where it's like the comedy is... It, it, it's just so bad it's good. Well, as I've said before in videos, so bad is good is hard to find in video games because video games usually have repetitive gameplay loops, so they're easy to get boring after a while. I think yeah. Right to Hell Retribution pulled off so bad it's good. Well, I mean, sure I mean more in like the games that are like that make you laugh because they're just so bad. 
Uh, well, yeah. I feel again, like you Rock got that. I feel like you got that out of Martha, or not of Martha's Day. What was that? What was that horror game that you played? Oh man, I I can't even remember the name of it. It's not Martha's Dead. Tormented Souls was that it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. That was really bad. It was fun to rip apart, but it wasn't much fun to play. And then twelve minutes too. Yeah, that, that one, was that bad. one created its own comedy. Yeah, <laughs> I think we were all just really sort of confused by that one. <laughs> Every once in a while, I go back to watch Jack's reaction to the to <laughs> when he discovers what's going on, just because his face is just broken. Fucking hilarious. I think he represents the universal 12 minutes experience. <laughs> yeah. I think every you single should. every single person I've talked to, you know, if you get if you reach them while they're still playing it and before they've got to the ending, they're like, Yeah, this is really interesting. It's, uh, it's going in interesting ways. And then you talk to them after they got to the ending and said and everyone is, just happened. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is vocal in their dislike. If there was if there was a thumbnail that we should have ever used his face on for your ZP, it was that one. Uh, henchman shuffled member for eight months and bonus content says unrelated to the topic when you guys play a game that lets you create a character do you usually go with a male or a female i go back and forth i like go with whatever my whim tells me to go with i mean a lot of games it doesn't really matter at all does it yeah i don't spend lots of times on character creators i will say in the ubisoft games lately i have gone with the female characters just because they've been better voice acted hmm uh What's her face on Odyssey was really good. I did use Eivor in Valhalla and then Immortals Phoenix Rising. I stuck with the, the female character for that one. What about Far Cry 6? Stuck with a female character for that one too. Huh. But then I also only played like six hours of Far Cry 6 before I couldn't do it anymore. Now you mention it, I, I think I went with all the male options in all the Ubisoft sandbox games I've played. Oh, really? Maybe I'm just sure. a big sexist. Uh, John Steele donates five dollars. Says last minute. Sorry if this has been asked before. Opinions on Mel Brooks? See, Mel Brooks sort of runs the spectrum for me. The Producers is one of my favourite films of all time. It's brilliant. Uh, but then I have also seen, say, uh, History of the World Part One and Dracula Dead and Loving It, and those are both atrocious. I hated both of those. But then someone said to me once that if you like, if you say you really like Mel Brooks comedies, there's a chances are you just like Gene Wilder. And now that I think about it, that's probably right. Uh, Nick, the OG, donates $2, says uh, Diablery. I'm not sure if I said that right. It's definitely a huge tool. Great character, though. Thank you. He's a character in my uh, different amorphous and existentially challenged series. Ah. Well, I finally, I finally finished my Star Wars books, so I can probably start reading your books. Yeah, read my books. Some Tell me I'm a good reading. writer. Give me a raise. <laughs> uh, Torch951 Galagos donates $2. Says, favorite pixel game art style? Are there different is that, is art that, styles? Is there a way, yeah, I was going to say, is there a way to differentiate those? Like 320 by 180 like, and then 640 I, by 480? Maybe they mean like the that new kind of 3D style, like that uh, Octopath Traveler is doing, and I don't and know. I have, like I have a lot of nostalgia for like the early Sierra uh, style, which was like in the original Legend of Larry and like original Space Quest One. Just something about those 16 colors and incredibly blocky rectangular pixels really sets off the nostalgia gland. 
I really want to see uh, replaced. And then the last night, I, like those two games in the pixel art style look incredible. That Tim, that Tim Sora game that is somewhere in existence still being worked on. It looked incredible when we first saw it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that was the last Super Chat. Oh, well, I guess that's the end of the podcast then. Unless anyone gets any last minute Super Chats in like they always... always. Do maybe they well, just anyway. want you to go on break today. Well, anyway, I was Yatsu Crozier. I was joined by Nicolandra. Yes, I came back after my uh, my egg. Um, well, after this, I'm going back into Halo lore exile, and Marty will be back next week. Yeah, and don't come back. Don't come back <laughs> until you've found uh, uh, a faction in that game that isn't called the such and such. You got it. Usually someone like gets in a joke super chat at the end when I draw attention to it. But anyway, what's coming up this week? Uh, Wednesday, of course, is zero punctuation and these post CP stream. And I've got an extra punctuation dropping on YouTube on Thursday. Yes, a uh, new anatomy just went up for members today on Celeste. And then uh, tomorrow, the snapshot that I did for Halo Infinite soundtrack will be out tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, lots of streams coming up because Summer Game Fest kind of starts uh, next week. So we'll be streaming a lot more uh, next week and we'll release the schedule for that as soon as we have it ready. And then uh, don't forget the new Adventures 9 episode is also out for members already. It'll be out publicly on Saturday. It's really fucking funny. If you're not a member, yeah. definitely sign up and watch it. Yeah, this is where it starts hotten up we've been like dealing with real estate bureaucracy the last two episodes but now we're actually starting an adventure there's shenanigans involving falling in love with a shovel oh what do you know nick the og gives five dollars and says last minute and then kai ham gives another five dollars yes uh and then yes honey money does uh bring up that amy uh, will be starting up a new stream series for us on sunday checking out the the new er interesting game of the week uh, and she will have a variety of hosts joining her, including myself, uh, Jay, and then maybe uh, some surprise guests that aren't part of Escapist yet. Ooh. And then Michael Frankie <laughs> donates $2 for extra last minute. Okay, <laughs> Look let's what get you it. He started, he started okay. a... <laughs> okay, let's get the hell out of here then. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. See you on Wednesday. Bye.